Hey everyone, it's Anita. Welcome to Chain Reaction, where we unpack and explain the latest in crypto news, drama, and trends, breaking things down block by block for the crypto curious. This week, we're starting with an interview with Chris Dixon. He leads crypto investing at Andreessen Horowitz, and he was an early investor in Coinbase. Andreessen Horowitz has backed tons of different crypto and Web3 startups during the last bull run, and it seems like they're doubling down right now. They raised a massive $4.5 billion crypto fund in May. He sat down with Lucas to chat about A16Z's new crypto accelerator program and what his thoughts are on the future of the crypto sector. Let's get into the discussion. All right, so crypto has had a uh, had an interesting year, turbulent yep. at times. Good year for the investors involved. Really big time for injuries and Horowitz so far. Looking forward to the next year, it seems like regulation is going to be kind of a big thing. Yep. You know, there's already a lot of news coming out about various portfolio companies or tokens or whatever. But I guess my main question is, if the SEC goes pretty intense and starts looking at a lot of these tokens or startup equities as securities, startup equities are already securities, but the tokens or the NFTs, is that going to fundamentally change? Like, does Web3 still work in that world? I mean, yeah. So as you mentioned, this, this has been a volatile year in, in yeah. crypto. So just to give people context, I've been in the space for about 10 years. I've been at the firm at Andreessen Horowitz for about 10 years and led our investment in Coinbase in 2013. And for those involved in, in crypto know that it's sort of, uh, there's been a lot of kind of ups and downs. People call them summers and winters. Mm-hmm. And we may be headed to another winter now. We don't know. But like, you know, things are kind of very volatile. Um, I think the core thing to keep, to kind of focus on is, and I've always believed this throughout all tech trends, like having been involved in the 2000s and kind of the quote Web 2 movement, is to focus on kind of what products are getting built, what infrastructure is getting built, um, what entrepreneurs are entering the space. So we try to really kind of focus on that. And I think in that, in that regard, I think we've made a lot of progress as a space and that there's a lot of great entrepreneurs working on it. The infrastructure has gotten much better. You mentioned the regulatory um, stuff. You know, our view has always been that we are proponents of uh, smart regulation and we've, we've advocated for it for a long time. Um, I think there's a lot of, as with any kind of nascent space and especially one involving things like tokens and money, you're yeah. gonna have bad actors. And it's important for regulators to stop those bad actors. Um, and there's, a, you know, there's, I don't know, 80 years of case law around, you mentioned the SEC, securities, yeah. and what they are. There's a very famous Supreme Court case you know, called the Howey case that defines that. You know, all of our, the projects we get involved with hire a you know, significant team of lawyers, make sure everything they do is compliant. That said, like, we, we feel like it would be great if there were some more clarity that the a lot of the regulatory stance so far has been to sort of do regulation through enforcement and just sort of sure. like they sort of will do some random things. And so there's actually a bunch of bills before Congress now to kind of clarify the regulatory situation, which some of which we think are really good. And generally, we think clarity is a good thing because it just lets like it lets founders know what the rules of the road are in a very clear way. Um, and then they can follow those rules and innovate. Yeah. And you also get this weird dynamic, which like I was on the, you know, on the board of Coinbase for I don't know, eight years, seven years or something from 2013 till the IPO. And you had this weird dynamic where, you know, you'd have Coinbase was a very compliant company that spent a ton of money on this and a ton of resources. But then you'd always have competitors pop up who don't do that. And it's very frustrating because there's an incentive without proper regulatory clarity there's actually kind of a financial incentive for people to flout the rules. And sure. that's frustrating for the good actors, right? So anyways, there's a bunch of reasons why. So we, we've been getting more active and involved in kind of, you know, discussions with policymakers. 
and advocating for regulation. And you have some really bad situations that happened in the last year, I think, that were partly due to the fact that there wasn't enough both regulatory clarity and, and yeah. in some cases, enforcement. Uh, but, I mean, like, if the SEC is currently talking, like, even talking about Ethereum, whether that's the security, I mean, it seems like they're mostly on one yeah. side on that one. But if the average token or NFT project where someone feels like they have a stake in the future success of a network, yeah. if that kind of fundamentally gets questioned, like, what's the Web3 sell without that? Well, so the, I mean, so just you have to go back to, you know, why is there the SEC and securities laws? And this is something that's, you know, was created by Congress and then adjudicated by various Supreme Court cases. And, the, and so the way to think of it is there are lots of assets in the world that are not securities. So, for example, real estate, commodities, you know, oil, gold, these are not securities. So securities are a subset of assets in the world in which there exists an asymmetric, asymmetric information, right? Yeah. So Apple stock is different than gold in that Apple stock has a, a group of people, at, presumably at Apple, who know certain things like the finances and things that are relevant, and therefore there's all these rules around disclosing it, right? And so the SEC put out a statement, uh, you know, a, a kind of guidance a few years ago, and basically, you know, it, was, it, was, uh, it, it talked about this concept of sufficient decentralization. Basically the idea that if you decentralize the system enough, and Ethereum is, I think, clearly decentralized enough, as is Bitcoin, it is much more like gold than like Apple in the sense that there's no group of people, for example, let's just take Bitcoin, the most obvious example, where there's no group, there, there are people that work on it and develop code for it and things, but there's nobody who knows like the price is gonna go up tomorrow, right? Sure. There's no need for disclosure because there's nobody who has privileged information, right? And that, that's how the case law has worked for 80 years. And we think that's smart rules. You do need those kinds of regulations where there's asymmetric information. And the guidance the SEC gave, which we follow, is that the projects that we're involved with, to the extent they have a token, should make sure there are not pockets of asymmetric information, that they're sufficiently decentralized and adhere to those guidelines. You know, look, the, the specific kind of people running these organizations change, you know, yeah. from, from, from administration to administration and have different views, but they're fundamentally like the the rules are determined by congress and and case law yeah switching gears a little bit i mean like web3 has been a little bit of a meme at times it's felt like yeah. we're in inside tech circles where people are like you know what what is a real web3 use case um you know i know you've talked about this a lot on your twitter but i guess like relative to some of the other crypto vcs out there do you feel like you have a very specific vision of the future that you know, <laughs> kind of stands apart yeah so I think, of, for example, a really obvious use case is a way for creators who, you know, so today you look at these big, you know, Web2 networks, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, et cetera, and you have, and these are basically networks that are, that are all of the content is created by creative people who are not part of those companies, right? These are the, the TikTok and these things, they create the network and the tools and everything else, but the, the actual content, the reason sure. people go there, are created by creators. And the, the reality is that most of these social networks share very little of the revenue. You know, they generate, so something like Instagram, they generate revenue through advertising, and they share none of that back with the creative people. Now, YouTube is better. YouTube, share, I think it's, you know, they, they share almost half, and that's, that's good. I think YouTube's yeah. on the good side of that. Although that, by any other normal standard, if you go out, you know, to, uh, you know, just you're selling your merchandise as a band or something, you're usually not giving up 50%, but whatever. But, like, it's still a high take rate. But Twitter's 100% take, they take rate. They give nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, Facebook gives nothing. Instagram gives nothing. TikTok gives nothing. And so uh, one really obvious use case is, uh, is, a, is a new way for creators to, to make money with their, you know, having a direct relationship with their audience that isn't mediated, where all the money isn't taken by an intermediary. Mm -hmm. That's a very, very important use case. You know, it's not, sometimes with this use case argument, like, I think people think, like, a major new computing slash internet movement 
they want to map it to like a very you know a, well or like a you know I mean it's, it's like they, they think of it as solving a problem like the way that a can opener solves or a kitchen appliance solves a problem. I have a problem. I need to open this can. I get this thing. This is not how right. ma- major kind of computing way. I mean, the first computer came out. The first PC did it solve a problem? I don't think it really solved the problem. In fact, if you go look at the ads in the early '80s, they had all these. They were. It was really kind of funny to go look at like the early Apple II ads. They had all these like this couple trying to do recipes with this big kind of ridiculous computer on their kitchen table. They didn't know how to use them. But then the developers came along and invented the spreadsheet and the word processor sure. and desktop publishing and Photoshop and all of these things, and those solve problems. Right? This is how computing works, is like major new kind of internet networks and computing, computing platforms, mobile phones. Like yeah. mobile phones did it solve a problem, sort of, but then like really what happened was all these apps came along that solved problems and created new use cases and let people view creative in new ways. Like IZSync computers are much... You know, Steve Jobs called the computer the bicycle of the mind, right? And the the idea was it can take things that humans are already great at, creative activities, you know, uh, solving problems, analysis, et cetera, and it can help them kind of accelerate and flourish. And I think we've seen that. I I think computing has been a very positive movement for the world. And and that's how they – but you have to, to, to understand that you have to study history and you have to see how these computing movements play out. And understand that, like, the way it works is you kind of build out these computers, and the computers themselves have to get better. Mm-hmm. So, like, you have to, you know, this is what we do a lot of. We have a, our, our fund is split between infrastructure and applications. We do a lot of kind of invent, invent, sort of investing in better computers. But then also you create applications which do solve problems. Ultimately, sure. I agree that you do need to solve problems. I think creators not getting paid properly on the Internet is a big problem, as well, an example. And that's yeah, one I hope to solve. Yeah, on the creator side, I mean, you know, we had you on this stage four years ago. Um, yeah. And at the time, we were talking a lot about Libra and Facebook DM. Yeah. I guess, like, now you're kind of talking about this being kind of the anti-meta future that, you know, you can build for creators. But I guess they were focused on stable coins. They are focused on all these different elements of the blockchain. Now they're on Metaverse. Is there a space for meta in Web3, you think? I mean, Meta's interesting. You know, I think it, of the large tech companies, it's the only one still run by a founder. And mm-hmm. I think that shows because I think they're trying to do more innovative stuff. I'm a fan of the fact... Uh, are just you a, a fan. Horizons fan? Uh, well, I don't know if I'm a Horizons fan, but I, I am you a fan. You have legs now. I, I, like, I like to see... I think the tech companies should invest in futuristic things. Mm-hmm. I think that... What's the point of making all that money if you don't reinvest it and do things that, that can move the future forward? And the fact that they're making significant investments in VR and metaverse, like hardware is very hard to, to build. We, you, know, you and I were talking about it earlier. Like it's, it takes a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And there are certain things I think that are better done by startups. Like I think a lot of the crypto stuff, I think a lot of the metaverse stuff, I would like to see the metaverse develop in a decentralized way, the way the internet, the early internet developed. I think it would be a very bad outcome for the world if... There was this metaverse. People spent five hours a day, and it was like one of these dystopian movies, like Ready yeah. Player One, where like one company owns all of it. I think a much better outcome would be something like the way the web was, where it's just sort of this network, and anyone can put up a, a website, quote unquote, a little metaverse space, mm-hmm. and people could build businesses, and developers could build things. I think that's a much more exciting and optimistic vision of the future, and I that's what we're trying to invest in and trying to encourage. And I think my you know like but I but I do think like look I give them credit for doing that as opposed to some of the other tech companies which are, I think making like a lot of the AI stuff and everything else is very exciting. They're making a lot of technology projects, but it's a consensus view, right? Sure. It's not contrarian to be pro sort of doing the stuff that Google and Microsoft are doing. It's very consensus. It's sort of done by a committee. I guess when I think of contrarian, like over the past like you know year or so, uh, <laughs> it's an aside. But I like you guys have 
put a lot of money into Adam Newman specifically, a lot of his efforts. I guess, you know, why? Why are you giving him so much money? Yeah, well, my partner, Mark Andreessen, wrote a blog post where he went into detail. And, you know, I think a couple things. I mean, I think one, he's, uh, you know, he's one of the few founders who's, I mean, he's the only person, one of the only people in the world who's built a real real estate brand. I name another sort of brand that you think of as real estate, maybe something like Four Seasons or something, but like not something that's as broad and kind of everything else. And, uh, and I think in a lot of ways, kind of doing a kind of residential version of that makes a lot more sense. Things mm-hmm. like building a community makes much more sense in a residential context. And then I know there's a lot of kind of stuff written about him and things. We did, like, we do our own research. Like, we just don't, we don't rely on books and movies for our diligence. We do our own research, and we just came to a different conclusion on a lot of what happened. Mm. And so, you know, I think time will tell, but, but you know, we're excited. Zooming in a little bit on the like investment context, everyone, when all the crypto markets took a huge hit, everyone was like, you know, really upbeat and talking about like, oh, these things are on sale now. We're going to, you know, go on a shopping spree. A lot of the people who did that are probably down quite a lot still just with the bounce. I mean, like, do you think that's going to recover anytime soon? I think it seems like things have kind of slowed down even for you guys just over the past few months. The way I look at it is in the broader context. I've been in the tech business for 20 something years. And I've been through five downturns. I, I count. So crypto, I've been 10 years, and there's been three crypto downturns. And then yeah. before that, there was 2008, obviously, the financial crisis. And before that, I mean, I started my career. I started a company in 2004, a Web2 company. And it was a downturn then. I mean, it was, it was you know, Amazon. People forget this, but Amazon uh, was, I think it was like, you know, 500th of the share price today. Mm-hmm. Like, dot bomb was the headline of all the newspapers and things. And it was a very sort of negative time. And so I guess my... My broader view, what I learned through all of that is that, I guess, a couple things. things. Like one, if, if you want to do something substantive as an entrepreneur or an investor, I think you have to be prepared to build through ups and downs. Mm-hmm. If you just run around to the new hot thing, I don't think you're going to do things that, that are that interesting, right? And so, you know, I, start, I was chatting with you before this talk. I started an artificial intelligence machine learning company in 2008, which was acquired by eBay in 2011. And, you know, in retrospect, we were probably early on the AI thing, but I think, you know, I believed in it then, and I think it'll be proven that our belief was right, although I, admittedly we were early. These things, you know, these things sort of build out through cycles. And so I think it's really, it's really important to focus on, like, what will it take? Like, you focus on the products and the technology and the people, and what will it take to make great products? Because that's ultimately what what brings technology to billions of people and yeah. the, the ingredients to build great products, the first and foremost is people and specifically entrepreneurs and developers. And I think in that regard, crypto is very, very strong right now, mm-hmm. far better than it has been in the past. We put out a, for those interested, we put out a data-driven report on the sort of where we track like number of developers on GitHub and other places. And, you know, I think that has been trending well. We don't, I don't know what prices and we don't predict prices. And, sure. you know, so I don't, I, yeah. yeah. But I like, I think just generally my view like we're a venture capital fund, a lot of crypto things, you know, sort of hedge funds. Our view is long, you know, our funds are a minimum of 10 years long. And we generally believe that if you build valuable things that, you know, that value, that, that money and things yeah. like that will come. And, but it's not, there's no time frame on it. So, I mean, the markets are slowing down a little bit right now. Like, how are you, like, focused internally on, like, what are you yeah. focused internally on building? Yeah, so, I mean, I think what we believe is that there's a, there's a lot of people excited about the space, but that want more information and more guidance. So one thing that we're announcing today is that we're doing, we had it, we did a thing called Crypto Startup School two years ago, which was a in-person at first and then the pandemic hit, but then basically a a school where people came, um, we had about 50 people that came 
and we gave talks and other kinds of, we had like Brian Armstrong and a bunch of other kind of interesting kind of crypto people from our firm, some technical people kind of go through all the different things that are kind of different about crypto and, mm -hmm. and what you need to know, the technology, the legal side, the talent side, the organizational side, go to market, just like all these different things. And I think it was a really good program. We got a lot of really good feedback. Everything we do, by the way, in this, and is we put everything online for free. And the videos we just checked, we had over a million views, which is great. The students went on to raise over $300 million in venture capital, big companies, I mean, successful companies like Flashbots and Phantom and Goldfinch, or, or, or I should say, uh, successfully, companies successfully fundraised, they're still yeah. early stage companies, um, came out of that. And so anyway, so we decided we're going to do that again. And so actually, as of today, if you go to our A16C crypto website, we have applications open. We're going to have a program in March. It's going to be based in LA. We're, we're seeing more and more tech activity in LA. We just did this, co-sponsored this tech week in LA and something like 15,000 people came. It's been really booming in LA and specifically around crypto. They're very, there's the sort of the creator community there is very excited about uh, the things I was discussing about sort of monetizing their audience and building new things. Anyway, so if, if folks are interested, please go to ACNC Crypto. You can go, you can apply. Mm -hmm. It'll be uh, in person. It will be, we have a whole bunch of, uh, we're, we're putting the list together now, advisors and mentors. This one will be different than the last one in that we will uh, also provide capital and take equity similar to how okay. accelerators do. So, so it's a, more it's of an accelerator. It's sort of a school combined. Yeah. Well, Although it's very much designed, I want to say it's very much designed to complement things like Y Combinator, which we're big fans of. This is a different thing. We think it's just missing in the market, which is a specific education in crypto. We're not trying to build some kind of new general startup accelerator. This is a educational like program combined with funding that's very, very tailored to well, a specific thing of building, like, and specifically crypto, like protocol crypto, like real crypto. Right. I mean, like when, when YC classes get to be like 250 or something, do you think there's an opportunity to verticalize inside there as opposed to just at YC or someone else doing it? Potentially, potentially. Like for us, look, I mean, for, it's not, this isn't, there's not some sort of like, in this case, it's not, there's not some kind of grand master plan. Like we literally just think, we just meet entrepreneurs all the time who, sure. who say like, hey, I wish that conversation we had, I wish that that was available online. I wish someone had told me that. Fair enough. And so we're trying to just, like, we're just listening to the entrepreneurs. This is how we do everything at the firm is we just yeah. like, we keep hearing this over and over from the entrepreneurs. Let's build a program to address that need. Mm -hmm. So that's what it is. So anyways, so what we're hoping is if you're, you know, so say you're at Google or Snapchat or whatever, at maybe at a media company or maybe just coming out of school or maybe you're an open source hacker and this stuff is interesting, but you don't know how to get involved. We hope this will be kind of an on-ramp. So please apply. Cool. Switching gears a little bit. I chatted with Katie Hahn last year um, when she was at E16Z Crypto. In the meantime, she's left. She started her own firm. When she left, you guys talked about you're an LP in the fund. So is Mark. So is the firm. But she took a bunch of people with her. Obviously, that wasn't a great situation just for the firm, correct? Well, I, leading a competitive fund and she's leading. No, I, so I, I don't think her. so. Look, like I, so let me give you an analogy. So like I was involved. So I co-founded a seed venture fund called Founder Collective in 2008-9. Um, at the time, it was for those who've been around this long, there was this whole new movement of kind of seed venture funds. And it was part of the whole kind of like like new kind of consumer startups only needed a million dollars or so. And, and so venture, I don't want to go to the whole history of venture, but venture used to be sort of this built for very large startups, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And there were probably 10, 10 to 15 of these funds back then. And by the way, we all co-invested in each other. We all helped each other out. And it was very important to have more than one because you, you know, this is a movement. Like we're going, you know, this is, we're trying to build something out. Now, 
today, fast forward, there's 500 seed funds. Maybe that's too many. Like today, there are not too many crypto funds. Like we are glad. Like Katie's doing a lot of great work on the kind of policy and regulatory stuff, for example, which yeah, which we work on. She's helping to kind of evangelize the space. Like she's. By the way, I mean, we're I mean, the lead you want, investor. You want the she's smartest a good people friend. to work. You know, work she's a good with friend. You no, and she, well, for you. Again, she gets. She wanted to go and do something kind of, you know, entrepreneurial. She'd never done that. I had done two startups. Mark and Ben have done startups. Like, yeah. the, I mean, candidly, like the last thing I'm going to do. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, that's just another startup. I'm a little curious so, on that on yeah. that front. I mean, like, yeah. you know, you're one of the best crypto investors in the world. So, like, you know, don't you want your name on the door, or do you not care about that at this point? No, I, I want. I care about making this movement successful, and you know being involved with great people and I you know I have a very good working very good relationship with the Mark and Ben and the other people at the firm and I've been I've been here 10 years and they've been look they also like they were you know they the firm has supported a lot of kind of crazy experiments that I've yeah. been involved with including you know so, yeah. so I did I did I've not just done crypto I was involved right. with you know drones and AI and an Oculus virtual reality and so um, I think it's you know and I think the I think we've built just a really kind of great franchise that that I mean, the whole kind of ethos of the firm, which is why I joined and appealed to me, is I had been a customer of venture capital. And at the time, venture capital was very much transactional. They give you money, and they kind of don't do that much. Mm -hmm. And the whole ethos of the firm was, let's do more than just give capital. Let's go and do all these other things. So, for example, we have you know 80 people on our crypto team. And of that, I think something like 65 are on our operating team to support our companies. With like, um, you know, just the stage the firm is in right now, it seems like, you know, Mark's obviously doing a lot of big deal still, but it seems like kind of broadly Mark and Ben are trending away from doing the day-to-day stuff at the Yeah, firm this is like a time. meme in the media. It's not at all true. Those guys are not, not, not true? Yeah, no, they are. Con- I, I work with them. They are 100% working. Are you you're like, chatting with them on like a, on a daily basis, okay. day, multiple times a day? And like Ben's very deeply involved in the crypto stuff. Ben's, you know, they're both running the firm. The firm's building out. Like we just launched this year, you know, we launched a games fund. Like we're basically the way we think about it is, you know, we, we go out and we meet a bunch of entrepreneurs. So, you know, and then when we see a bunch of entrepreneurs doing a new thing, we create new funds. And like this year we did the games fund. We raised a whole bunch of other funds. We have a growth fund now. I think you'll see us do more stuff. Like when I started, you know, we, we started seeing a bunch of founders come in who were like really doing really interesting stuff in, in biology. Mm. And we didn't fully understand because none of us come from a biology background. So, so we went full fund. we recruited VJ Panday. We created yeah. BioFund. Same thing happened with crypto. So what we do is we try to be kind of a one-stop shop. If you're an entrepreneur and you're building something futuristic and you want like real long-term partners to work with, you know, we want to service that. So we're constantly like both building and that's, and they're very, very active gotcha. in building that stuff out. And that's, that's, a, that's sort of a meme. I think okay. Mark just had a tweet thread about it. You know, he's on, I think it was 13 boards. He's in lots of meetings. We're in lots of meetings he, together. He, he can't retire at this point. He won't let himself. I mean, if, if you know, I mean, like a lot, I mean, they could, like, I mean, he could have retired. They all could have retired a long time ago. Like sure. they're in this because they, you know, they, they're excited by it and they believe in, they, and like, it's also just like, it's just always this is what I like what I love about the tech industry and why I still do it and I'm very excited by it is that there's just always new interesting things there's always new interesting people you know there's it's a this job I have it's a fantastic job you get you just you get to go just meet the most interesting ambitious people and hear all their ideas right so it's always just sort of new and changing and exciting and I think I think our firm has sort of selected for people that want to do that and that just think it's exciting and a good way to spend their time and yeah. meaningful. And that's how they feel. That's how I feel. That's why I'm here. That's why, you know, I think they're so fired up. 
Yeah, I mean, wrapping things up, I want to talk Twitter, not the Elon side. I want to talk your personal yeah. Twitter. Uh, <laughs> sure. a lot, I feel like a lot of people know you as the guy defending Web3 till his dying breath and yeah, yeah. taking aim at anybody who kind of questions. We got the Aaron Levies, we got the Jack Dorsey of the world. It's why do you feel, why do you take it personally when people kind of you know, question Web3? Well, I don't think, I mean, I just think Twitter's become, like, Twitter's become, I'm using, we have an investment. You like the in outrage called, feedback? Uh, we have an investment in, in, a, in a decentralized uh, social protocol called Farcaster, which I'm using a lot more because you can have a conversation there and people are like building stuff and I mean, that can like use X. optimistic. <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, Twitter has just become very, I, I find it very hostile in general. I mean, I mean like, but you're, you're on it quite a bit. So it's not like... I've slowed like, down a lot though. Okay. It's just like, you go on there, you do something and then you just get, yeah, plus there's bots and spam. It's okay. just like, I don't know. Like it's like getting, and then there's just people, you know, and then people, there's like politics and like, I, I'm talking about tech. I care about, I mean, Obviously, I have other views, but my professional life and my public life is about tech. And I just want to talk about tech. I like tech. I like building stuff. I like being around people to build stuff. And okay. I want to talk about well, cool I saw, stuff. And Twitter's, I, it's just a whole different thing now. I, I, saw, you, I saw you tweeting less, so I wanted to make sure that you didn't lay off your like tweet ghostwriter or something I, like I that. I did not have a tweet ghostwriter. <laughs> I don't think anyone at the firm does. That's somebody else. I saw uh, that article. That's funny. All right. Well, unfortunately, we're all out of time, but it was okay. great chatting thanks, for some thanks, stuff with you. Appreciate it. Thank you all. We'll be back every week with the top news on the crypto ecosystem. Catch us on Tuesdays for interviews with experts in the Web3 space. You can keep up with us on Spotify, Apple Music, or your favorite pod platform, and subscribe to our companion newsletter, also called Chain Reaction. Links to the newsletter and the stories we talked about can be found in our show notes, and be sure to follow us at Chain underscore Reaction on Twitter. Chain Reaction is hosted by myself, Anita Ramaswamy, along with my co-host, Jacqueline Melanick. We are produced by Yashad Kulkarni and our associate producer is Maggie Stamets with editing by Cal Keller. Bryce Durbin is our illustrator, Alyssa Stringer leads audience development, and Henry Pickovet manages TechCrunch's audio products. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.